glad that you are here to worship God with us uh, as we talk about uh, faith. We're talking about faith. Some of you might be familiar with the book, The Day America Told the Truth. I've referenced it, I think, a time or two in some classes, um, but it was, it was a massive kind of a research study put together by this group of people that did it in a way that the respondents were guaranteed anonymity. So no one would know how anyone else responded or who responded how. The purpose was they wanted to find out what America really thought and what America really believed. And some of the findings were a little bit startling. First, they found that the moral standards of Americans have slipped considerably in the past 50 or 60 years. Skepticism, skepticism was uh, much more prevalent than it was 50 or 60 years ago. Two-thirds of the people responding thought that the government did not have their best interest at heart. Over half the people responding thought that the Bible didn't really have practical answers for today's problems. Second, they found that Americans aren't really very honest. In fact, lying seems to be part of our American culture. According to the survey, an astounding 91% of people responding said that they lie on a fairly regular basis. Third, they found that marriage and family are no longer sacred institutions. People are still getting married, but they don't see those institutions in the sacred sense that, that they once did. In fact, a third of respondents said they weren't really sure that they still loved their spouse. And then there was another section of the book that I found a little bit fascinating, and the section was basically asking Americans, what's your price? They say, everybody has a price, right? So the question was, what's your price? If the stakes were high enough, what would you be willing to do? And they tried to, to, to focus it a little bit better, so they said, what would you do for $10 million? And they gave some scenarios and had Americans respond. Let me share with you some of those responses. 60% of Americans who claim to be happily married said they would abandon their spouse for $10 million. 35% of Americans who were raising children said they would abandon their families for $10 million. 70%, 7 out of 10, 70% of Americans who claim to be Christians said they would abandon their faith for $10 million. 9% of American men said that they would kill a total stranger for $10 million. In fact, that statistic doubled if it could be guaranteed that they weren't caught. Now, I don't have any idea how accurate those statistics are. I, I suspect they're probably pretty close. But I do know this. Our convictions change as the price goes up. We talk about things that are non-negotiable to us, but if the price gets high enough, those non-negotiables start to become a little bit more negotiable. And we're in this sermon series talking about faith and, and faithfulness. And Jesus is trying to remind us of just how high the stakes really are. And we've spent the last couple weeks looking at some of the surprising, sort of shocking statements that Jesus has made as relating to faith. Now, we've talked about the fact that a lot of things that Jesus said was uh, pretty radical and a little bit shocking and even confusing. Confusing to us, 2,000 years removed, 
but especially confusing to those people who are hearing it for the very first time, who are hearing it kind of live and in person as Jesus was speaking. You remember two weeks ago we talked about Jesus making the statement, if you want to be a follower of mine, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And, and they had no idea what that meant. And an awful lot of people started saying, this is too hard. And we're told that a lot of people started walking away from Jesus at that point. And then last week we talked about Jesus telling his apostles, if you want to be first, you're going to have to be last. If you want to be honored, you're going to have to humble yourself. And of course it took a couple times for that message to sink into those guys. still takes a couple times for that message to sink into us as well. But this morning I want to look at another extreme statement of Jesus. Something else that Jesus said that, that's kind of surprising, a little bit shocking. He's talking about a, a cost-reward statement. And we're going to go back to Mark chapter 9. You can go ahead and open up the Bibles to Mark chapter 9. We spent most of last week in the ninth chapter of Mark, and we looked at some things that Jesus said that were pretty shocking and, and pretty surprising. But when you get to the end of Mark chapter 9, Jesus is still talking in the same kind of language. He's still saying some things that, especially if you heard it in the moment, would have been really shocking and a little bit confusing. Mark chapter 9, verse 43. This is Jesus talking. If your hand causes you to sin, and of course we know what he says next. We know how Jesus finishes that statement. If your hand causes you to sin, but what if you didn't know how Jesus ended that statement? What if you hadn't read the end of Mark chapter 9? What if you were there listening to Jesus and you said, if your hand causes you to sin, what would you expect him to say next? If your hand causes you to sin, um, sit on your hand. That would make sense. If your hand causes you to sin, tie your hand behind your back. That would be reasonable. If your hand causes you to sin, don't use your hand. Gotcha. That's a good lesson. But of course, we know that's not what Jesus said. We know Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Imagine hearing that for the first time. What? Did he say cut it off? Because it sounded like he said cut it off. Well, that's what he said, but that, that couldn't be what he meant. I wonder what he really meant. But he goes on and says, if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Now those statements aren't just shocking, they're a little bit disturbing. Who would do that? Who would really do a thing like, who would really cut off their own hand? Who would cut off their own foot? Who would pluck out their own eye? Well, it depends on your attitude toward and your perception of sin. Jesus is talking about a cost analysis decision. And the question becomes, at what point is it in my best interest to do something as drastic as cutting off my hand? At what point does it make sense for me to do something as drastic as cutting off my own foot? At what point is something like plucking out my eye, at what point does that become my best option? Some of you, I'm sure, saw the movie. It was out a few years ago now. 
uh, 127 Hours, name of the movie. And it was the story of the true story of a hiker by the name of Aaron Ralston. Here's a picture of Aaron Ralston. Aaron Ralston went hiking in southeastern Utah a few years ago now. He's alone. He was in a canyon. He was crawling over a boulder when the boulder shifted. And that 800 boulder, 800 pound boulder, fell and trapped his hand against the canyon wall. And try as he might, he could not pull his hand back out from underneath that boulder. He surely couldn't move that thing. So there he was, pinned to the side of the canyon wall. For five days, he was there, pinned to the canyon wall. On the fifth day, he, he took out a, uh, a dull pocket knife out of his backpack and scraped on the side of the canyon, Aaron Ralston, rest in peace. And he resigned himself to the fact that this is where he was going to die. On the sixth day, that desire to survive kind of kicked in. And he realized the only way he was going to live if he was somehow able to amputate his own arm. And so he leveraged his weight. He broke the two bones here in his forearm. And with the same dull pocket knife, he amputated his own hand. And he actually then rappelled down a 65-foot cliff. And he hiked for three miles until a family found him and rescued him. Now, you hear that story. You read his story. And the first thing I thought was, wow, that is amazing. And then the second thing I immediately thought was, I wonder if I could do that. I wonder if I would be willing to do that. And my first response was, I don't think so. I don't think I could bring myself to do that. I don't think I could bring myself to cut off my own hand. And then I thought of my wife. And I thought of my children. And I thought of my grandchildren. And I decided, you know, given the circumstances, if that was happening to me and I was in that situation, I think I could do it. If it got down to life or death, if the stakes were that high, I hope I never have to find out, but I think maybe I'd do it. With enough motivation, with enough perspective, things change. Perspective is everything. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to, to tell us and he makes these shocking statements. He wants us to see things from his perspective. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Now, even though we say those are shocking statements, they're not confusing statements. Sometimes Jesus said things and they were a little bit confusing. This isn't confusing. We know what he's saying. His instruction's pretty clear. We understand what he's telling us. We understand it and we also get it because we've been there. And we've done that. We know there are things in our lives that if I do this thing, it's going to lead me to sin. I know myself. I know my circumstances. I know my strengths, my weaknesses. I just know if I do this thing that I'm contemplating, I know it's going to end up. It's going to end up with me sinning. I know that there are places that if I go, it's going to lead me to sin. You know, there's some places that a child of God just shouldn't be. And I just know if, I, if I'm in that place, I'm going to end up sinning. 
Jesus said, if you do that thing and you know it's going to lead to sin, you'd be better off cutting off your hand. If you know that if you go to this place and you're going to lead to sin, you'd, you'd be better off cutting off your foot. I know there's things, if I look at those things, I'm going to sin. David said in Psalms 103.3, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. David says, I refuse to even look at anything that I know is vile or vulgar because it's going to result in sin. Which, by the way, is a pretty good verse to put on the corner of your uh, computer monitor, guys. I refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. Jesus says, if you know that if you look at something that's going to cause you to sin, you'd be better off taking out your eye. We've got to figure out a way to cut ourselves off from the things that we know are going to lead us away from Jesus. To figure out a way to cut ourselves off from the things that put us in a place where we never intended to be. And Jesus says, sometimes the only way to do that is to do something really, really drastic. So again, does Jesus mean that I'm really supposed to cut off my hand? Does he mean that I'm really supposed to cut off my foot or, or take out my eye? Surely he's being figurative. I think what Jesus is trying to teach these disciples, I think what Jesus is trying to teach us is you need to do whatever it takes to keep you from sinning. When you understand the gravity of sin, when you understand the consequence of sin, you need to do whatever it takes to keep you from sinning. Whatever you need to change, whatever you need to sacrifice, whatever price you need to pay, cut yourself off of those things that lead you to sin. Now Jesus is teaching something that we all need to be reminded of. He's teaching something that is true for all people in all places in every situation. He's trying to remind us that what we do today impacts where we end up tomorrow. What we do today has a direct effect on where we end up tomorrow. And in the reality, in hindsight, we all agree with Jesus. We all know in hindsight, he's right. I want you to think about the greatest regret you've ever had in your life. I want you to think about that one thing that you would love to say, boy, if I could just go back and get a do-over. I would love to change that. I would love to undo that. I would love to react differently. Your greatest regret in life, when you think about it, if you're honest with yourself, probably began with a decision. And it probably began with a thought process of maybe it was just something that seemed innocent at the time. Maybe it was a new experience that you wanted to try. Maybe it was something you thought was going to be fun. But it put you on a path. And that decision put you on a path that led you someplace where you never intended to be. And you think, if I could just go back, I would do things so differently. If I could just go back to that decision, that, that moment in time, I would do things so differently. And, and you hear people say this, and maybe you've said it yourself, I'd give my right arm if I hadn't done what I did back then. I would give my right arm if I hadn't hurt the people that I hurt back then. I'd give my right arm to be able to go back and do it differently. And you know what? You mean it. You're being serious because you realize that the path that that decision, that instance, that circumstance put you on led you to a place you never wanted to be. 
never expected to be, but it led you away from God. It led you into sin. Jesus says, you need to take drastic measures to avoid sin. Now, I know that there are some of you who have had your Bible open at Mark chapter 9 since I asked you to open up your Bible to Mark chapter 9, and you're a little bit frustrated with me right now. In fact, you might even be a little upset with me because I've skipped over some things at the end of Mark chapter 9. I skipped over some things that Jesus said. In fact, some pretty shocking things that Jesus says. And the shocking thing that Jesus said that I skipped over is really going to make the other shocking things make a lot more sense. But I knew I was coming back, so don't send me an email. Let's go back and look at what Jesus says that really is shocking. Mark chapter 9, verse 43. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. Verse 45. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. Verse 47. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Okay, now the stakes have been raised. Now we're talking about issues. And not just real life issues, we're talking about real eternal life issues. I mentioned what we do today impacts where we end up tomorrow. Jesus wants to be sure we understand what we do today doesn't just impact where we end up tomorrow, but for every tomorrow to follow. What we do today impacts where we end up for all eternity. Because Jesus wants us to know that there is life beyond this life. There is eternal life, and there is eternal death. Jesus wants us to know there is a heaven, bright and beautiful. John in his revelation describes it as having walls of jasper and a street of gold. Is that literal? I don't know, but I think what John is saying is, However beautiful you can imagine heaven to be, it's so much more beautiful. However wonderful you can imagine heaven being, it is so much more wonderful. And then Jesus says, there is a place called hell. And Jesus says, the worm never dies and the fire never goes out. Is that literal? I don't know, but I think what Jesus is trying to get us to see is, however terrible you can imagine hell being, it's so much worse. Whatever you're able to imagine hell as being is a, is a terrible thing, a terrible place. You have no idea. It's so much worse. See, Jesus is speaking in very extreme terms because he's speaking about very extreme things. And he wants to be sure that we get it. We understand where sin leads. He wants to give us a perspective, an eternal perspective. To where we could say, you know, losing a hand, losing a foot, losing an eye, that wouldn't be the worst thing. There are worse things than that. Jesus is saying, if you knew what I know about heaven, you would do whatever it takes to get there. Whatever it takes, you'd do it if you knew what I knew about heaven. And Jesus is saying, if you knew what I know about hell, 
whatever it takes to avoid it. He's trying to give us perspective on our lives and how we're living our lives. You know, I started out by telling you some of the things that Americans said they would do for $10 million, and some of those things were almost unimaginable, but they were pretty believable, right? Because as the stakes get higher, our, uh, our convictions seem to change. Jesus is trying to teach us the stakes could not be higher. When you're talking about heaven, when you're talking about hell, when you're talking about eternity, that's as high as the stakes will ever be. See, here's what I know about you. Because here's what I know about me. There are certain things that, that we just hold on to. There are certain things that we are so slow to let go of, to, to, to give over to the Lord. You know, maybe it's a thing. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's an attitude but we just hold on to those things so tightly. And we know intellectually that it's leading us to sin. We know that, we know that we're, it's preventing us from having the kind of blessings that God wants to give us, but we don't want to let go of it. Now, for some of you, it's a whole lot bigger than that. Because for some of you, you've never really bought into Jesus. You've never really gone all in with Jesus. We come to church sometimes and you live a poorly moral life, but Jesus isn't really the Lord of your life. You're not filtering all your thoughts and your words and your deeds through His will. You've never really gotten serious about following Jesus. And part of the reason for that is you don't want to give up what you don't want to give up. Part of the reason is because following Jesus comes at a cost. And there's going to have to be sacrifices made. And I'm not going to soft sell this at all because it does. Following Jesus does come at a cost. And there are sacrifices that have to be made. And there are things that you're going to have to give up. But Jesus' promise is, look what I'm giving you. Look at the payout. Look what I'm offering. We are going to live in the next life much longer than we live in this life. Dave Ramsey is very famous for saying, live now like nobody else so you can live later like nobody else. He stole that from Jesus. That's Jesus' line. Jesus says how you act, how you live today is going to impact where you end up tomorrow and how you're living tomorrow for all times. Jesus says you do whatever it takes to stay out of hell. That's what he's saying at the end of, of Mark chapter 9. Now, some of you might be sitting there thinking, hey, Tim, you know, I've got a friend with me today. There's visitors here. And you, the one day you're talking about hell, well, come on, where's the good news? In fact, someone told me in the, in the foyer, hey, I heard you talking about fire and brimstone today. No, no. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about faith. I'm talking about what Jesus is talking about. But I will give you some good news. Because all of those shocking statements that Jesus made don't compare to the shocking thing that he did. Jesus made a lot of shocking statements, but they don't begin to compare to the shocking thing that Jesus did. The cross is the most shocking thing in the history of mankind. The cross is the most shocking, most radical, most sacrificial, most incomprehensible event 
in the history of the world. You want to you see something that's shocking? Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of God the Father. The cross is the most shocking thing that's ever taken place. So what is your salvation worth? Now Jesus is making these shocking statements. What's your salvation worth? A hand? A foot? I mentioned that in that survey, 70% of people who claim to be Christians said that they would abandon their faith for $10 million. When I first read that, the first thought that went through my mind was, I wonder what you can do in hell with $10 million. What good would it be to gain the whole world and lose my soul? A guy by the name of Jim Elliott made this statement. He's no fool to give up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. You've got to think about that one for a minute. But it's a, it's a pretty good statement. He's no fool to give up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. This morning, what's standing between you and the Lord? What's standing between you and what God wants you to do and be and live? What are you just refusing to give up? Whatever it is, you can't keep it. You won't take it into eternity unless it's Jesus Christ. The thing that you can't lose unless you throw it away. A thing that lasts forever, a relationship that lasts for all time. You're no fool to give up what you cannot keep in order to gain what you cannot lose. Whatever it is that's standing between you and the Lord, get rid of it. Deal with it. Take care of it. Cut it away. Whatever it takes, come to Jesus. Now, some of you have never done that. You've talked about it. You've thought about it. You're going to do it someday, but you never really have come to Jesus. You've never gone public and let everyone know, Jesus is my Lord, I'm going to confess him. You never really repented of your sins and asked God to put you on a different path. You never were baptized into Christ. And Jesus asks so little of us, and he offers so much. Come to Jesus. And for some of you, you need to come back to Jesus. You've allowed yourself to be distracted. You've allowed yourself to do some things that uh, has led to sin or gone some places that led to sin or looked at some things that's led to sin. You've allowed yourself to, to let something come between you and your Savior. You need to come back. Not to me, not to the church, not to the Bible. You need to come back to Jesus. The stakes could not be higher. 
the offer could not be sweeter. The instruction could not be clearer. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Let's stand and sing. Oh, heart, bow down with song.